welcome to another episode of the Impro Pod podcast. Today in the studio, I have Thomas Wilson. So tell me a bit about yourself, Thomas. I'm an astrophysicist, and I like spending my time either looking at the stars or playing in the woods, inspiring people about nature, tracking animals, yeah, bushcraft, that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. Okay. First of all, I'm going to play you a piece of music, and I want you to tell me what it makes you think of any kind of thoughts, ideas that come into your mind, don't overanalyze it too much. <laughs> okay. All right. What did you think of that? I was immediately on a spaceship, travelling through icy depths of space and feeling kind of the dangers and then the enjoyment of finding something new and maybe at the end kind of becoming safe again. And um, where did the spaciness come from? The first sort of word that popped in my head was space, with that initial chord. I think it made me a little bit scared in a way. Yeah, unnerving slightly. Hmm. But in this process of discovery... Was there anything specific about the space, about the journey through space? I felt that the journey was initially important. There was a reason I was doing it. And then it was dangerous. And then something was okay at the end. That was the kind of the feeling of relief by the end of the song, end of the music. Yeah, because it went a bit jazzier from this quite tense moment. That kind of jazziness was very, much more relaxing. Maybe that's where the feeling of safety came, because that was more homely to me. Yeah. I'd like you to tell me a story. A couple of days ago, I was sailing back from Falmouth to Plymouth, and the wind was coming up. It was about sort of 30 miles per hour wind, and the boat was heeling over, and there was a good swell, maybe three metres, so we were rocking about. And just off Plymouth, there is a, a lighthouse called the Eddystone, and as we were sailing past, this small, very bedraggled-looking pigeon hit the sails, flopped off into the water, madly struggled for a few minutes, and then finally managed to get itself out and back and land on the deck. It was missing most of its tail feathers. Maybe a fox or a dog had got it. And it was a racing pigeon. It must have come across from France, going into England. And it sat on the deck, watching us quite nervously, finally built up the courage and snuggled in closer, we gave it some water and some oats, and then it sat on our laps for a while. And we gave it a box, and it crawled into the box and slept there for about 12 hours. And in the morning, it just flew off. And it was just lovely to connect with this animal that was completely exhausted, needing some help, found us, trusted us enough to take it to safety. 
Hmm. I guess it had to really trust you, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise they would have just died. Was it a nice day? What was the weather like? Oh, the weather was bitter. It wasn't raining, but it was very windy, very grey and stormy. So how did that piece reflect on your story? I won't be offended if you thought that was a letter shit. The beginning really, I felt, captured the feeling of the sort of the weather and maybe the desperation of the pigeon and that. Mm. And our misunderstanding of what's going on. What is it? It's a pigeon? It's, why is it here? What's it doing? How can we help? It's interesting how you picked up on the suspicion. The way I was playing it was from the pigeon's perspective. Maybe it was thinking, who are these people? I don't have a choice here, but I'm going to have to trust. Yeah. The pigeon stayed with us until we got up into the river and moored up, and it was completely calm and tranquil. Okay, so do you have another story? I, I, yeah, I can do another story. Another one that involves much more weather. I don't even remember the beast from the east, which came in 2016, 17. So we heard the snow was coming, and as the snow was falling in Exeter, geared up, rushed across Exeter, got the last train up to Bristol, where we met another friend who we drove together up to Scotland. And This is before it all kicked off, right? It wouldn't, the first night in Bristol it hadn't quite kicked off, and we were out, so just outside in a small village, and we had to dig our way for a few miles with the help of some farmers and tractors to get out of the village again. But once you're on the motorways, they were clear. So we drove up to Scotland, we spent four days hiking in Craig Meggie and living in snow holes. There was enough snow that we could dig about four metres in and make a little little shelter, which are really lovely because it's raging wind outside and inside it's calm and peaceful. And you put one candle up 
And because the snow is all made of white snow, it reflects the light around like a, like a cathedral or something like that. And on one of the days there, we went up a ridge. It wasn't snowing more, but the cloud came in, so it was completely white. The ground was white, the air was white, and you couldn't see where your feet were or what was where. But we had to go along a little ridge with a nice big cliff on one side. But you couldn't see where the cliff was. So to work out what was land and what was air, you'd make a snowball, throw it ahead. When it landed, you get a little bit of contrast. You could see it was on land. If it didn't land, you knew that was it. Don't walk over there. This story, for me anyway, was a, an effort of self-control because I had to walk along this ridge and not go back down the hill where I wanted to go. I knew it was safe and I had to stay walking on a compass bearing, throwing these snowballs ahead until we finally got to the point, the top. And when we arrived, there was this, I suppose, a, an utter sense of relief. And I didn't realise I had for the last hour or so been utterly terrified, but living on adrenaline. And I finally got to the point where we knew it was safe again. It's like, oh, and then you could just relax. And actually, it was a really strange experience to go from a state of fear to a state of relaxation and how your body responds in quite a strange way. And you had to take a moment and make a cup of tea before doing anything else. I can now move on. So how did you feel when you saw the snowball go over the cliff? Because I guess you've been anticipating this moment for a while, right? Big desire to turn around and go the other direction. <laughs> but also, oh, OK, that's that. That's the edge there. I can't see it. Yeah, I mean, we could have been blindfolded. That would have been a similar experience. It's a good story. So we're going to go for starting out on the journey. This sense of uncertainty, which is different from certain fear. Yes. When you can see the monster running towards you. You know that's definitely it, and it will definitely kill you, and it's going to happen soon, <laughs> rather than this might kill you, but it, we don't know when. What was it like living in the sort of living area from the snow? It was personal. Okay, there was three of you in a small hole in the snow. The main thing I would pull out from that would be that it was this contrast between inside and out. When you're in a tent and it's windy, it flaps around, it's noisy, and you know where you are. When you dug into the snow, it was peaceful and calm and fairly warm because the three of you in there keeping it warm. So I'd say it was a safe refuge. Yeah. You get a really long pole and you just walk around for a little while and digging the pole and hoping that it's deep enough. When you find one that is deep enough, you put your packs down and start digging. You sort of dig a little hole straight in, partially dig, partially get blocks and take it out. Yeah. And you oh, yeah. dig a few metres in and then you dig a sort of bigger chamber inside.
One of the things that I felt listening to that was that I definitely got the sense of adventure going through it, sense of space, and then the more tenser moments. And the environment really came out as well, that kind of feeling of snow. But also this, there's more joy in it. I chose to be there. Mm. And that came through in the music. Yeah. Was that a mostly major or minor piece of music? It's a mixture. Honestly, I have no idea. I wasn't really thinking about that. But yes, I used the mixture of the major thirds. It's sort of... And then I flip to minor... That last bit you do has quite a sombre tone, the last few bars. I want you to come along and narrate everything I do now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you could probably breathe kind of paranoia this podcast. Or you start hearing soundtracks during everything you do. That would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? It Depends if you were doing something you thought was great and then had a very sort of sinister soundtrack suddenly came on. I think we've got time for one more story. A very brief short story, which I found absolutely hilarious. I was fortunate enough to go to... Uganda, a fair few years ago, and we were in a little bus along the road, and suddenly there was a very loud beeping of horns from behind us, and our bus swerved off the road, small minibusing, and six armoured Humvees piled past, very fast, very close together, forcing everyone off the road. And once they'd gone past, we continued on, and maybe six miles down the road, there was a long line of six Humvees, all bumper to bumper, with smoke coming out the engines, because the first one had braked. They were going too fast to stop. They were so close together, all travelling at such speed that they just couldn't stop. So <laughs> rear-ended each other. They ended up in a, a large pile. Lots of very angry people outside, <laughs> gesticulating, and carried on past slowly, our driver looking happily at them. We'd go past someone on the side of the road with a little small motorbike with a sofa strapped on the back of the motorbike. I remember that quite wow. distinctly. Like a proper sofa? Yeah. The road was going east to west, so it was the main transport route. And it's hot, and there was big ruts in the road where the big lorries had gone across, and as the tarmite melted, just made these grooves. So if you weren't in those grooves when you were driving, it was bumpy.
was a much more happy piece, but I mm. guess the story was yeah. far less serious. And yeah, more was there anything that I missed out. I didn't necessarily get the sense of the cars that forces off the road then being themselves disabled, but really, that was not necessarily a point to the story. That was just yeah. something that happened. That I felt right. the journey much more. I guess one way you could do that is write a theme for the car. It's really intriguing how in that theme mm. you can pull on and then you keep going and then yeah. yeah. Which is quite hard to do because then you write the theme and oh god, what was that? So you have to remember it then. Mm. And then you have to play with it in a way that reflects the narrative of the story. Yeah. Subtle adjustments to the mm. theme as you go through. When you have a theme for a character, yeah. something happens to that character, then you can portray that. You can get the audience to recognise the character by playing the theme. Even in a space like this where we're not there's no real visual it's part of the imagination yeah you're learning a lot about how people perceive music so what did you get out of this podcast from a personal perspective it was really fascinating to have thoughts that are in my head the sort of those stories which are just there and then placing music to them I don't think I can go back now. There is always now music to those stories, which will be interesting. Uh, something that's never happened before. And is that a good thing? Yes, definitely. Because they amplify the emotions or the feelings or the, the visuals that were there. It gives me a lot of responsibility. I've created a soundtrack and rewritten <laughs> some of your memories <laughs> with this soundtrack. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing, yeah. And when you have more than one sense to remember something by those memories are always heightened yeah so you've brought in a new level to those thoughts and memories hmm. which is a gift yeah yeah that's interesting i haven't, hadn't thought of it like that yeah. hmm. i'm gonna try and get darren brown on to see if he have some interesting ideas that that i'm sure <laughs> you can definitely make people feel a lot of emotions with the right right sounds right yeah all right thank you very much thank you very much as well join us next week for another episode of impropod Thanks for listening.